movies welcome to my arms are lasers the internet's best book club only book, book club. club um today we're gonna do something different we're gonna do movies it's my arms are lasers movie edition it was uh, <laughs> we're just gonna do a quick mini episode give you the lowdown since uh, we're still reading foundation we are our well, personal- you guys are still reading foundation i read it <laughs> almost immediately yeah <laughs> I read it, and then I had jury duty, which I tried reading during. I was reading Foundation. But they wouldn't allow that in court. <laughs> I was reading Foundation, and uh, then I just started listening to the audiobook when I was driving, and I was like, oh, I'm really, in- I'm actually enjoying this. And then suddenly <laughs> it went, the end, in the middle of it, and I went, wait, what? Oh, I guess I'm done, like a month before everyone else. <laughs> you and your audiobooks. Yeah. But also a lot going on in our personal lives. Um, apparently, Aaron and Ellen are engaged now. Science fiction engaged. What? So I didn't even know you guys were dating. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought you were really we were cool just, roommates. We were just roommates. <laughs> I didn't even realize, I guess, we haven't recorded since we got engaged. No. Just uh, before New Year's Eve. I was, yeah. re- I was recording your engagement in the bushes. <laughs> it's just easier that way, we decided. You know, it's like, you know, we'll save on taxes and... Uh, we can co-parent costello our cat yeah we can officially adopt him (laughs) he's been on loan he's a real boy now (laughs) but Uh, we're gonna revisit is is promised long ago not maybe promised but we said maybe we should do this so we're going to future so we are going to cover fresh off of the screening that we just had in my living room we are going to discuss golden compass the movie which we did cover the book and you can, if you didn't listen to it already, go back and listen to that. I believe and, it's episode three, maybe? Yeah, and then watch the movie yeah. and listen to this. So, maybe we can just jump right into it then. Yeah. Uh, Golden Compass, the movie, was not considered a success by any measure. I don't think so. Critically or financially box office-wise. I, and I kind of see why. <laughs> yeah. What were the numbers exactly? How much well, did it cost? I I had to put that down because my computer is recording now. Oh, but I believe it cost a hundred and eighty million dollars to make, and it made- and domestically gross. To this day, was uh, seventy million. So, and then and then or maybe I get that. And then wrong, foreign or international, I think it barely, as of like this year has barely recouped its losses, which for a blockbuster like that, for those who don't know how the studio system works, usually when they pump that much money into a a tentpole picture, they're expecting it to do gangbusters and make back like three or four times its budget. They clearly wanted a new Lord of the Rings, a new Narnia. Yeah, and and, and when it doesn't do that, then basically all of their quarterly uh, reports are (laughs) are missing a few hundred million dollars, uh, and it's considered a massive failure. And according to one article I read, Sam Elliott, Sam Elliott, who's in the movie, speculates that it's because they make like the church out to be the bad guys, and what? it's turning children atheist. <laughs> Is Sam Elliott like a pronounced atheist? I never really knew that about him. <laughs> I don't know. Is he like? Does, does he? Well, like, uh, <laughs> well, you know, I'm I've been reading Nietzsche's works and. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes the bar gets you, and sometimes you stare into the abyss of nothingness at the bar. 
<laughs> I was just looking up articles on the movie and whether or not it was a flop. And I think that ultimately what happened is it made its money back through, you know, various channels of distribution. But since it missed its projected profits by a wide margin when it was released, then, you know, so it did make money by in, in the end, but barely. Yeah. And... And uh, certainly not enough to merit a sequel. Yeah, which... that's that's probably the true test. Is if it was successful, right. they would have made another one. Yeah, right. probably right on its heels. <laughs> which we're fine if they did. Um, <laughs> but something that just what you guys were just talking about with the Catholic presence and everything. Uh, I was just saying before we started recording that after watching that movie, even now, or if I was a kid and I saw that movie, I would have no idea it was criticizing Catholicism. I couldn't tell at all. I was Well, that's that's something I think... Well, there were robes, and there were buildings that looked like cathedrals. (laughs) Yeah, I think that they they may have tamped that down a little bit for the movie and just made it more like, we're an evil empire. Yeah, they just call it the magistery or something. Yeah, magisterium. I mean, it reminded me more of, you know... Harry Potter yeah. than something real. I I think that a lot of people are kind of pr- retroactively projecting that stuff onto the first book. It's certainly there in the book. Like oh, like I think there's even a paragraph that outright says the Magisterium is if the Catholic Church uh, was headed by a Calvinist and just became like the front and center leader of everything. But the real controversy of the the what's what is called the his dark materials by philip pullman trilogy which is the trilogy golden compass subtle knife and what the third one i don't remember Wait, what it the was. second one's called subtle knife yeah yeah i believe it's called the subtle knife uh it's about a knife that lets you cut a hole in between dimensions basically um and then it turns into dark tower they yes, just like and, then, the and then they go find the gunslinger and, <laughs> and fight the man in black. Well, they have gunslinger in this one, yeah, Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott as, as Lee Crosby or whatever. So this is. cast is actually pretty stacked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I was, I was got... actually surprised. There was, there was several points where they had... Okay, so... The, Nicole Kidman. Yeah, yeah, and she did do a great job. Yeah, Nicole Kidman was doing great with kind of subpar material, I felt like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, She's cash and paycheck. Daniel they, Craig, and then uh, Sam Elliott, yeah. as we only, always already mentioned, Sir Ian McKellen as the voice of Yorin Bjornesson, York Bjornesson, the, the bear, the giant yeah. polar bear, deposed king. Um, Eva Green is uh, the witch, I guess, witch queen. I didn't know. I wasn't familiar. Ian Serafina. Ian McShane as the evil bear king. Yeah, as they changed the name to Ragnar. Yeah, what because, was which makes sense. It was like Euphor. Oh, I think yeah. it, it sounded too Euphor. much like the other. Which <laughs> yeah, which is like what they did in like Game of Thrones. They changed uh, Theon's sister to Asha, or from Asha to whatever. So, so you went like, wait, why, why is because it sounds too much like wait. Osha, the wildling. Oh, you're right. Yeah, Ian Shane, Christopher yeah. Lee is like one of the old. Oh, yeah. I guess they didn't really. It wasn't clear who he was. No, like it, it was okay. So that that kind of brings us to one of the central problems of this of this <laughs> film is that in the book there is a lot of exposition that is picked up here or there uh, but it, over the course of the novel. But it feels natural as it is a book, and yes. it works, and it and when. It, like I didn't automatically think that the movie would be hampered by all no, of exposition. There, it didn't it, have to be. But the way they did it was it okay. Was. They front <laughs> first loaded it. Yeah. yeah, the beginning was just like a lot. Okay, maybe you. you I, 
it, they didn't need the explanation of dust in there. Maybe the 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 souls and the the demons explanation. Yeah, because otherwise you have talking animals and you're like, what the hell? But instead, it's just it opens with dust swirling around, just like. In another world, one of many worlds, there is dust that controls everything, and there's a little girl, and ice bears, and an alethiometer that tells the truth. Each person has their own animal soul, and it's just like, yeah, what and the it hell just has it just opens on that over dust particles, and then the movie starts, and you're just like, why did I just get that preamble? Yeah. But it keeps going, like it <laughs> it gives you more and more, and it. That was the first sign. The yeah. first second. We, we could have just learned what dust is as she learns what dust is. Right. Which is how it happens in the book. And yeah. how it usually happens in, you know, good yeah. storytelling. Well, that's a well, I can tell you that that's a band-aid that a lot of studios will put on movies that have intense mythology if they are afraid that audiences don't get everything up front. They will have a voiceover narrator pop in it's usually added after the fact, and it just says, uh, that lays everything out and mm-hmm. hope that's enough for you to understand But it. the problem is that it actually made it more confusing. And, and the yeah. whole movie, the way that it was executed, had tons of exposition. So instead of seeing action happen in scenes and learning what something is by how it affects the characters, the characters just talk about it. And that right. was a constant problem throughout the whole movie. That happens in a lot of science fiction movies, movie adaptations, too. Uh, Dune really suffers from that, where they'll just, like... Except in that case, they tried to fix it after the fact by giving everybody <laughs> fucking inner monologue. And it's it just, just drives whispers. you. Yeah, just like people telling you exactly what they're thinking and what they're about to do. And <laughs> and it opens with this long introduction to the world of Arrakis. But, but it's just something that, that a lot of mishandled sci-fi movies and fantasy movies tend to suffer from. Um, back to the Golden Compass, the... Uh also, the beginning monologue went on to be like, "Oh, and there are witches and the yeah. Yeah. and it yeah. went to and the ice bears and it went into like every section and or uh, sect group or you know people yeah. that are there stuff that we just didn't have to know. It, I mean, let's let's as just an experiment, let's see if this is fun. How would a movie that doesn't do that, like a movie that we like, if they did start that way, what would it sound like?" <laughs> Okay, let's think about let's say Tremors because we just were talking about Tremors. What <laughs> Tremors is a bit of a weird movie, uh, but if it honestly imagine if you open on a desert scape, you see Kevin Bacon get out of his beat up truck, and then mm. suddenly he looks off to the sky, and then it says, "In a realm of of southern Arizona, <laughs> there are creatures called graboids uh, that are giant ancient prehistoric worms that reach up from the sands and will eat anything in their paths." And also, there are people that sell guns. There are cowboys. There are people that live on reservations. And there are people that get divorced and have their marriage <laughs> saved by shooting the fuck out of a giant worm. <laughs> and now we begin. Like, Tremors. That, this actually made me think of uh, the, the Thing, because The Thing opens on an amazing shot of just that dog running through the tundra and you don't know where it's coming from and it's actually running from the previous camp that was murdered right yeah. right isn't that how it in opens in which one in the 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 thing or is that how in golden compass 
No, I'm giving it another example. <laughs> um, oh. Another movie entirely. <laughs> I'm so I, I missed it. In John Carpenter's The Thing, it opens oh, yes, yes, on a right. dog <laughs> running, and you don't know the backstory, and that's the fun of it. So it would be like as if, um, as if that happened, and then there's just a voiceover about and everything the, that just, just happened, explaining <laughs> the way the all, all of the mystery. Yeah, just right. so you know what the thing is up front. It yeah, could right. just, it could just open with the kids playing in the mud. Right. Yes. And meeting Lyra, who sounds exactly like Aaron's impression of her. Hello, Laura. Come now. What? What? Uh, uh, and it, yeah, and that's that kind of brings us to other problem is that this the novel has way too many characters to, to effectively fit into a, a, a film. So what they really should have done was start to condense characters down or combine so, a few or combine a few because there was a whole scene that had some amazing actors in it like Christopher Lee and mm-hmm. what's his name who plays uh Bilbo Baggins and uh but they well, I didn't even recognize him I don't think You're it right. was him. maybe it wasn't oh no I'm sorry he he's the guy from Fifth Element who plays the priest in Fifth Element Oh, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, I confuse those Good guys catch. sometimes. But anyway, like amazing actors. <laughs> you know, when Bilbo finds Lilu, you and, ne- yeah, and they <laughs> you defeat the evil meteor. Well, but but you never see them before or after that <laughs> scene. Well, let's let's step back for a moment. So now we just got through our opening, and so basically, what Aaron is referring to, there's a chunk of scenes at the college where all the old deans of the college they talk in rooms together and then they are they never come back again yeah and it just it comes off as just all these uh, like three back-to-back scenes of just characters that don't matter yeah you get to know these old white guys that you'll never see again in (laughs) scholars robes better than you do the main character by 25 minutes in (laughs) like there's scenes with them by themselves and and all of them are just completely super saturated with exposition of what is happening and why it's important Oh, the yeah. What also what confused me because it's been a while since we read the book, and I was like, wasn't her familiar or a demon uh, flying a minute ago? And now Man. it's a fair. I forgot that they changed yeah. as children. But even that, like in their long explanation at the front where they're talking about demons, they didn't explain that. Yeah, there's like <laughs> in the middle of all this like random dialogue, there's one of them that says, "Oh, I see your demon hasn't." Just- hasn't settled yet oh yeah right. daniel craig lays down that expo and and that actually comes out in a conversation where that i could buy and it's like that yeah. i mean they didn't need, by yeah. introducing the demons before and not explaining that you create <laughs> more questions for the audience because they're like wait why why didn't they tell us everything when it just could come out yeah. naturally the somehow. important stuff like they really, really should have stuck to the important things at hand Mm-hmm. And then reveal it as you go, because when you put it all together in one place, it's just like, I have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> like, like, the central conceit of the first half of the book is, who or what are the gobblers? That is all you need to know. Is like, there's these things called gobblers that are taking kids in this mystical town, and they have to, fi- and you're trying to figure out the mystery of who they are and why they're taking kids. And then eventually it opens up into this whole adventure of saving the kids from the mm-hmm. gobblers who are actually these agents, etc., etc. But they, they barely mention the gobblers. They, they do on the rooftop scene where the, yeah. her, Ari, or Arya, Lyra, <laughs> and uh, Ugly Kid are playing. Yeah, but, <laughs> it's, it's, but, it's so, but it's so casually dropped, and there's no setup, there's no mystery. Oh, it's, it's, very, like, con- it's very confusing. They should have shown the gobblers stealing a child. Yes. Like, they... 
they don't and the fact that they don't show them it's very confusing well they, they kind of did later they know like, they show the monkey yeah but you could infer from that right. yeah but, but that, but that kind of happens after they're even talking about the gobblers i feel like they really it's a, to make it truly cinematic, yeah they could have made it more mysterious it should have been that should have been like not not inciting incident but that should happen within 12 pages uh of just oh something is taking kids uh, it actually could have opened amidst that kind of chaos like yeah like children are already being taken and it's like getting kind of serious yeah exactly but instead it just kind of gets lost gobblers gets lost in uh, right in the midst of all of this stuff talking about dust and lithiometers and and well, lyra and lord asriel's coming to town the way the way it was done in the novel was actually better for a film it was more cinematic where it just cut to a chapter where we meet the golden monkey for the first time right yeah. and we meet the gobblers and it's all mis- you know it's mysterious and they steal a child away and that scene was very oh, successful yeah, we, we don't meet uh mrs court culture to uh yeah. until lyra fox does. news correspondent <laughs> she mrs. did Coulter. look like a miss ann culture she yeah. did uh yeah in the novel it's just like this golden monkey steals a kid and then you meet and ann is there <laughs> but i don't think you meet may it's been a while since i've read the book but i feel like the like who 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 was responsible for these kids wasn't immediately apparent uh and then but in the movie it was like back to back here's here's mrs coulter petting her golden monkey next scene that golden monkey's stealing a kid <laughs> like it, there's no it just wasn't done in a way that yeah. was very um it, it wasn't thrilling because of the way that it was executed it wasn't mm-hmm. i don't know yeah. <laughs> well, then we and then Lyra ends up in Anne's care. It, it all happens very fast, but in the wrong ways. Like it's just all of a sudden she's living with her, but you don't yeah. care somehow because you, you haven't you didn't connected. Really, you didn't get a sense that the uh, master, like you said, the the master was like kind of a f- looking after her or yeah, a father. The, no. no. He just but uh, even though they had three scenes of him in rooms talking to other white people about Lyra, <laughs> <laughs> maybe they. It, it, Surely those will take the place of him actually interacting with Lyra and <laughs> and then and so when he gave her the alethiometer, I actually just trying to think of someone who hadn't read the book would have been confused. He yeah. gave it to a girl who's going to travel with Anne when it was safe at the college and tells her don't give it to Anne. To me, that would be like, why did he do that? Like, why did he give it to this little girl who's going with her when he had it safe? Yeah, in, I mean, in the book, it's that he he himself is using the alethiometer, and the alethiometer says the only way to protect Lyra is if she has this golden compass with her, and the, and that's why he does it. But that but they chop that scene out. So and given- oh, they also said that oh, the golden compass could only be read by the one. Right yeah. or well, a single well, person. I think it's that. In uh, again, I'm drawing from the book that it, you can kind of read it if you have like a, basically an old book that tells you mm-hmm. basic meanings. But to be able to intuitively read it like Lyra does, you, it's just that the chosen one mythology. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they don't cover that until like after it's been happening, and then it's just like like two thirds of the movie way into the movie, a witch just kind of comes out of nowhere and says, yeah. "My kind has a prophecy." About about the girl. <laughs> well, and, she shows up and only talks to the kid and then leaves. Yep. Yeah, and then also when she shows up, Lyra just doesn't 
think anything of it like I, she's yeah. not scared she just, she just trusts her she the witch says show me the golden compass which is and so she, powerful and she just like okay she's like okay you're not mrs coulter <laughs> you must be nice okay here also the um one of the one of the cooler uh, parts of the book i thought was what, what they call it a roping where like all the uh, uh gypsy Oh yeah, all of the ships all Egyptian in, boats like docked together, and they had like a and they have a council of grandiose grandiose meeting yeah. of like all the families. And here it was like they met on like a medium sized. Yeah, they just were yeah. like, oh, "Come on, come with me on this." Oh, barge. He's, he's. I think they did call him the king of the king of the Egyptians. Egyptians, and it was just like, oh, he's they're in a he's, room. He oh. just looked like a sea captain, which I guess he should. But given the fact that it was just like. Me and my crew, and that's it. Yeah. It didn't really have any significance. <laughs> Speaking of him being a king, that brings up how in exposition Anne just randomly info dumps when we first meet her to Lyra that there's a king somewhere that desperately wants a demon and doesn't have one and and quickly mentions that it's a bear. But if you missed it, you'd be like, Who's this king? Wait. What? Which, why, king, which king wants a demon? Why doesn't he have a demon? Wait, who is he? And then you meet yeah. this king on, on the boat, and you're like, was he the king? No. He's a... No. Who was yeah, that? that that's <laughs> the, I think that kind of brings us to the central problem of this alternate reality uh, type thing, is that you have to find a way to set up the rules without explaining them. Right. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, it, things that, that in normal storytelling would, would stand out as, oh, something is amiss here, or oh, there's a mystery here. We don't know that as an audience because we have no idea what the rules of well, this but, world but is. But I think the big mistake here is that uh, you know, sometimes people, filmmakers, screenwriters, executives assume that audiences can't put it together. And by adding the exposition, you create the confusion. We yeah. didn't need mm-hmm. to know about that bear until we met him. He's a cool character. By the time we meet him, we know what demons are. We know that animals don't have them. We would have gotten it, you know, and it just created yeah. confusion. And every oh, that that's the other thing is every <laughs> time she meets a new character, when every time Lyra meets a new character, she pulls out this this sort of <laughs> Deus Ex Machina device, this Deus Ex Info Hi, I'm Lyra. Want to see my <laughs> Deus Exposition Machina <laughs> that just pops open and then tells her everything you need to know about that character uh, in a massive info dump oh they like she goes <laughs> i guess i guess it's kind of a way instead of like having her talk to herself and asking the questions and uh translating the answer is anytime she asks the compass something she opens it up and then it like zooms in and then goes into like this into the world compass. where like kind of dust particles explain and like form yeah. images and then she and comes out of everything it. And then she comes out of it and then turns to the camera and basically says he was once the prince of the bears <laughs> Yeah, a lot of characters just like immediately trust uh uh Yorick um Lee Crosby. Yeah, Lee Crosby um the witch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all these people that that like you have no idea who's good or evil because everyone everyone just is. <laughs> and you don't get it, you, it's they're getting to this point in the book and they're like, "Oh, we she's got to meet the bear, so they meet. Okay, they met. Done." Yeah, and actually, the relationship between Lyra and Yorn, 
the bear was um they didn't have they didn't take the time to develop one so you didn't feel that they were so close like like you do in the books yeah in screenwriting there's these things that it's it's kind of a dumb term but you hear about these things called trailer moments where you you write a scene just because you know it's going to look cool and epic or whatever and will end up in the trailer for the movie and i feel like this movie was nothing but trailer moments that were all very disconnected like there's a point where she's she just goes i would like to ride you yorick and he goes you want to ride me and then it just cuts to sweeping music as she's riding the bear and it's just like is this supposed to mean something like i don't know why why this is important yeah uh, a bear's armor is a soul. Uh, we'll travel without my armor. Most I, of the movie. I will say <laughs> the demons were pretty cute. Yeah, Lyra's thought, little demon, every time he was a little cat, he was so cute. I thought the, the, the CGI on the demons was, was decent. There was a couple points where it was a little weird. Uh, but it was I guess it's just good. weird seeing animals talk. Yeah, that's the hard yeah, when, part. But they, they, didn't, they didn't zoom in on them talking often. It was, yeah. it was just sort of happening, and so you didn't have to look at them a lot that up close. I think the greatest choice with regards to demons is when a person was killed, mm-hmm. their demon-like dematerialized it's like gold dust yeah, yeah which looked look pretty, pretty cool, cool during the battle scene yeah actually and that's the other thing i want to give props to this movie for i thought that battle sequence was handled so well where you knew you could follow the action and the different characters and from the gold dust of the demons being killed to the witches yeah. and i thought that looked really great that was the thing is like the action sequences actually worked pretty well like, there's a couple ones where I, you know, when they are confronting the gobblers, I thought could have been a little cooler. But uh, I guess in the book, you know. <laughs> what? I was just thinking when she escaped the, I don't know, I guess I'll call it the orphanage or what's the, Valstad? Or, um, oh, b- b- uh, the lab la- center. Balder, yeah. Balderdash. She basically turns on the uh, the separator. That, th- that tears the demon from the child. Yeah, um, and basically throws a toaster in it and it explodes, <laughs> and it which automatically fire. sets free all the children. <laughs> and also blows up the, the, the facility. Yeah, so it's like a Temple of Doom type. <laughs> yeah. She's, she's taken the golden idol away, and now it's the whole <laughs> temple is falling to pieces. Uh, I was going to see who, who directed this. Christopher White. What else has he done? I was going to ask. Well, I, I mean, I Ooh. would... I would mm. actually, um, I would actually say, I think that the script was the bigger problem than, than the direction. Oh yeah, what really? American Pie? Nah. Down, what? Down to Earth. About a boy. Weird. The Golden Compass. So he's just like a prominent British director. It's then like. the Twilight Saga, New Moon. Oh boy. What? A Better Life. Wow. I saw New Moon. I think he's and more producer. Horrible. Writer. It's kind of sad that he keeps, keeps being attached to garbage uh, stuff. I mean, I guess American Pie was had its own moment. Yeah, it's a cult oh. classic. What? Hold on. He wrote Nutty Professor 2, The Clumps. Uh, <laughs> Eddie Murphy in multiple fat suits. He did write Ants with a Z. Okay, oh, I boy. saw that. That was all right. I'm an ant. What's going on with me? Oh, boy. I thought the flying ants looked super cool. <laughs> oh boy yeah I, oh, oh i before we we wrap this uh, mini soda up there is one more thing i think it's really important for us to discuss uh, which is the ending uh, oh, yeah the yeah. ending of the book if you recall is 
Lyra discovers her true parentage is the evil Miss Coulter and who she thinks is her noble uncle, uh, but actually her father, Lord Asriel. So she goes to rescue Lord Asriel with her friend, with her friend Roger, who she saved from this evil like kid dungeon. Um, The goblins and. Uh, she goes with Azrael and gives him the compass, and, and it's just like, okay, now you can save everyone, Lord Azrael. And then he goes, hey, thanks, thanks, kid. And you then did he turns, bring me what And then I he need. turns and makes out with with and evil Ann Coulter, the, like the <laughs> the villain. And then he kills Roger with his magical device, uh, which splits open the sky and lets him walk into uh, this alternate dimension that will assumedly let him destroy all reality. So basically, it ends on a huge downer Mm -hmm. i have a question though about that i thought in the next book that she and a friend travel through universes so i actually forgot that did i forgot i'm confused who goes with her then i uh not roger not is it your i don't think i don't think the bear i think it's another one of her friends i think it's like one of the egyptians or no no no, you know what i think it is she meets someone in the other universe i think she goes by herself uh, into the other universe. But the point is... That Roger does Roger die. dies. This movie ends... <laughs> it ends with him going to find Lord Azrael. Basically, they've defeated Ms. Coulter, and, and they're going to be like, all right, we're going to go find my dad, and don't worry, with my friends at my side, with Yorick <laughs> and, and Lee Crosby and Roger... We're all going to be just fine. Even the and, golden compass says, "I'm bringing my father what he needs." Yeah, and so then the, so then the ship flies off into the Royal Borealis, and it's like, do 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 do. Aaron was like, "No, they're not. Are they going to? They're going to." I called it first. I was like, "It's going to end here," and you guys were, and Aaron was like, "What? No, no." And and then it just there's like roll credits and it's like holy shit is that next movie gonna if they ever make it gonna open on a huge downer <laughs> huge downer like, here you are dad and it's like thank you bam <laughs> dead friend and I'm gonna go destroy reality and I'm actually evil and I still love Miss Coulter well see ya <laughs> what see ya yeah definitely uh. I could see why they didn't want to end it like that. Yeah. But it's like, you know... But 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 by not getting it out of the way, it does... It would set up the next movie in a very strange place. And I feel like killing Roger at that point would be very bizarre. And what they might well, do, which would be weird, would, would be to make Roger that boy or something. And, like, I don't know what they would do. I mean, <laughs> it, it would just screw everything up. <laughs> yeah. Well, they they did mention that, oh, the children will die off in the cold. But um, I guess they didn't mention that the, the boy they found earlier, uh, Costas, yeah. um, without the demon, in the book he dies because he doesn't right. have a soul. They don't yeah. show that. But they didn't show him dying. I guess they were like, oh, you'll be all right. And his yeah. mom was like, we'll, we'll find, find your, your demon, demon, which she didn't even know he didn't have. I guess she could see it. Yeah. But and then yeah. That, and so there should be more that. shock at, you know, your son losing his soul. They definitely tried to lessen that and be like, okay, he's very sick, but it, you know what? We're, he's going to be okay instead of being like, he died. <laughs> I mean, from, from I guess from a sheer storytelling standpoint, so I guess it's okay. It didn't yeah. it was all right. For but I me. guess with that preset, maybe Roger could live. Maybe, the, yeah. yeah. He he would have to go but, be but sick man, somewhere. Man, what a crappy inciting incident to be like. 
ah, now I'm going to just go into this other reality and leave it open for you guys to go on an adventure if you want. Well, I think they would, they would rather evil. deal with the uh, awkward opening of the next movie than in this one with a downer. Maybe. Uh, I guess I was just thinking, like, you know, it would be total uh, Empire Strikes Back. I know that's the second movie, but, you know, it ends on a cliffhanger. And then, and then it's just like, wow, you know, I have to see the next movie now. Yeah. Whereas yeah. this was just, I guess it was kind of a cliffhanger, but it's just like, uh, but having it build up so much and then they get there and it just, everything that they were working towards falls apart. It I, seems like it would just invalidate the, mo- the movie you just watched. I feel like this entire movie, you could feel the fear of whoever made it. They, instead of just diving in and... Telling the, and story. Ta- telling the story and taking chances every single scene was them backpedaling and exposition and being scared and that came through and that's why I th- yeah. it wasn't as engaging the whole movie yeah. was network notes yeah <laughs> Here, maybe uh, here's a question if this movie had come out post Hunger Games do you think that they would have been more willing to end it on a downer and kill <laughs> chill, children and yeah. kill dark? I, I think it, it it very well could have been maybe a, it could have been a better movie because also then they would have been like oh my god female leads are where it's at and they might yeah. have really pushed her to be front and center always and not all mm-hmm. these random old men talking and which yeah. I would think that you know Daniel Craig Hitler's dream <laughs> um, Nicole Kidman goddess would have made a cuter kid <laughs> yes no I, I mean she was she was cute but i couldn't get over they have both of those actors have piercing yeah. blue eyes and she has brown eyes that, that kid who played roger as soon as he came on screen i was like that is the most british kid i have ever seen he's just like his face is smushed out he has his like nose looks oh, like stop. british kids are cute he, he had kind yeah of, if you like kids that look like skulls he had a gap tooth and he, I just I just imagine growing up and becoming one of those character actors like oh hello what uh, yes I cried him <laughs> a lot of kid bashing on this one <laughs> I think we should talk about the bear fight oh bear yeah fight. I was I was actually oh the one not they weren't afraid of that bear fight no because yeah. in the book <laughs> in the book uh, Yorick Berenison wins the fight by pretending to have a, a hurt paw and then uh when he gets in close he swipes and knocks the king bear's jaw, jaw off or rips it off and that definitely happens in the movie <laughs> however like, little distinction i think in the movie they they played it more like he was hurt and he was about to give up and he saw lyra crying and, and had, he, he pulled it and together it was like the rocky moment right yeah. instead of what it really was which is that it, it, he was using his cunning you know to beat him but yeah he definitely rips that bear's jaw off and it's clearly in the movie they pull back for a wide and but they, it happens they pull back but then if you're watching that movie in 3d you see a dismembered bear jaw mandible coming camera. towards you <laughs> uh and then uh, he brutally snaps his neck <laughs> and then i was just gonna say i actually wanted more with uh the bear king i He's a cool character, and they they had that one scene with yeah. Lyra, Shane. and that was it. Moving on, moving on, like yeah, pushing honestly, through. Cut cut a couple of the old man scenes up front. Yeah, spend more time at the facility and Bear Kingdom because yeah. those were your money kingdoms. <laughs> and um, yeah, that's Ian McShane, and he uh, Lyra tricks him into thinking that she's a demon <laughs> because 
because uh, the Bear King is obsessed with having a demon, but he can't because he's not human. So Lyra pretends that she is Jorn Bernison's demon, and that makes the Bear King so mad, and he wants to know how he can get one. And Lyra tricks him into thinking if he faces <laughs> off with Jorn Bernison, he can get, she will become his demon. Yeah, and in the book, that's all predicated on this gradual revelation that bears uh, are, is it that they're incapable of lying? I think that they... Oh, they, yeah, there is that yeah, thing. Yeah, and so, like, when when uh, he sort of encourages uh, Yorick to behave more, quote-unquote, human and lie about his paw being hurt, that it gives him the advantage, uh, whereas he's become too human and doesn't have, like, the natural instincts of a bear anymore. <laughs> I don't know. It's... it's it, it it was a little unclear in the book too. Well, but what it, what was more fun was that Lyra was there for a few days, was she not? Yeah, she was so, there hanging out in bear society. Yeah, and she got to know them, and she she really had to work to pull off this facade about who she was. And the bear king himself, I find to be a really cool character. You know, it's like you it's like when you arrive. When you, you finally meet the man behind the curtain and he's kind of crazy and you're like, oh God, <laughs> oh, you know, yeah. like, mm-hmm. like, like, like heart of darkness. And mm-hmm. it's like, you finally meet the bear king and he is kind of crazy. He has this little doll by him. Uh-huh. So he wants a demon. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But uh, it's so cut off in the movie. Uh, I like the Zeppelins too. The Zeppelins. Oh, oh, yeah. I, oh cool. and the horseless carriage that was ro- yes. powered by electromagnetic fusion, fusion reactor. <laughs> that we never saw again. That was my favorite part. That was a pretty cool bit of uh, uh, art and set. Or Our world's design. different than yours, yeah. Um, so after he wins the bear fight, that's basically, he's like, who is your king? And they're all like, yeah. yeah. And we never see those bears. Yeah. Again. yeah. And this happens before uh, the laboratory orphanage. Yeah. So he's not really using his bear army no. to uh, full no. advantage. I feel like that would be his first order of business. It's like, all right, bear army. Come with me and let me lead you to battle. I could have used less ice bridge that he clearly wasn't going to cross and yep. more bear army. Yep. I, maybe that was a special effects budget issue. <laughs> but they already had a pretty massive battle. I don't see why uh, it would have hurt. They had just, $180 million. That's true. <laughs> they just could have rendered in a few more bears. Even if it was like his Praetorian guard. Yeah, I just cool like, you it. know, honor guard of bears. Yeah. But I, you know, I guess you, you can't ha- have a movie that's all bear culture. <laughs> we need to dive into not. bear culture. That needs to be its own movie. Do a prequel where Bjornsson uh, gets exiled, uh-huh. <laughs> or we meet the, the the founder of Bear Society that unites all the bear clans, or, or a Netflix series. I would watch that. Yeah, <laughs> bear culture. Grin, grin and bear it. Grin and bear it. <laughs> the rise of Bjorn. <laughs> All right. Um, anything else on the movie? Uh, I don't uh, recommend watching the film. <laughs> Just read the book. Yeah, well, definitely read the book. I mean, the the movie is watchable if you have read the book and you really want to see it. But if, but if you haven't read the book, it's not. It's yeah, you're much, much better off. Although I did overall like, I thought the art direction and the look of it was quite nice. The cities were nice. The campus was nice. I mean, it, it looked good it just the substance was wasn't there it gave people jobs yes yeah <laughs> support, support original franchises uh i guess well original but it's a new franchise a, not a just support, a support new it's not a yeah. sequel it's not a sequel guys <laughs> setting the bar a little low Check over here but 
All right. Uh, thanks for joining us on this mini-sode on the movie of The Golden Compass. And the next episode, we will finally be diving into Isaac Asimov's the, seminal work. The Foundation. Series. Foundation. Yeah. Oh, it's just Foundation. Well, it's considered the Foundation series or Foundation trilogy. Okay. Foundation. But it's called Foundation. But we're officially, we're doing the first book. We're just doing the first book if you want to follow along. We might but, get into and, other books later. Yeah. Uh, but we shall see. Bye, Laserheads. Bye. Bye. Laser fingers. Thanks for listening to My Arms Are Lasers Movie Mini Show. With the swiftness of a deadly cosmic ray, the Earth is invaded by indestructible bone monsters. Their ghastly mission death for all humans. My arms are lasers. My arms are lasers. Let's watch movies.